Hello and welcome back to the Billy Shears Club. On our last part, we talked about Big Mama Thornton and the Muddy Waters Band with Big Mama Thornton and the Muddy Waters Band, and now we're going to talk about Give Up by the Postal Service. Uh, Caroline, how about you start us off with a little bit about these, the, how do you, I know one's from Thug's Cap for Cutie and the other one I saw is like some, the nettle? Well, I don't know. Yeah, so Postal Service um, was kind of a one-off of band, as you said, has the lead singer from Death Cab for Cutie as like a DJ and someone else who went on to sing in an um, indie rock band. Um, and this is their eponymous album. They have, you know, remixes and nostalgic get-togethers and stuff, but this is kind of the one um, kind of experiment, which is kind of cool. You know, you listen to it um, and you can hear it's almost like a tune uh, stripped down version of Death Cab for Cutie. You can hear some of the EDM, right, from um, the DJ. You can hear those really uh, precise vocals coming from the indie rock background. Um, and it's a really short album. It's only 10 tracks, um, which were put together. You might be thinking, Caroline, why is this band called The Postal Service? That would be because uh, the members of the band were not living in the same place when they recorded it. So they would record their their tracks right and send it through the postal service to the guy who's mixing all together and they had they had apparently like this whole tiff with the usps who was concerned that or you know they were like oh you stole our copyrighted name and then the band the postal service goes well is it okay if we use the name if we like plug for the postal service in our concerts (laughs) and they were like fine we'll even sell your cd from our website oh that's so nice with the postal service yeah i know sometimes sometimes government agencies pull through good job government agencies postal service you're off the list (laughs) Uh, so yeah that's kind of my historical background now you uh had not listened to this album before so give us kind of a rundown what did you think what were your overall impressions yeah, that's correct. And I also hadn't listened to any Death Cab for Cutie except for I think they had a song on the Twilight album. Oh, album. okay. So you're coming in totally fresh. Oh, yeah. But yeah, I thought cool. it was an ex- extremely good album. Like, you know, it's this very sort of sad boy, you know, like you said, very indie and edm just, you know, someone with lots of feelings and moist eyes, but in a very good way. Like, it's extremely well written and it's just got these very evocative, very precise sort of beats to go with it and it just worked mm-hmm. extremely well i thought excellent work this is one of the this is what a really good one nice nice well i'm glad to hear you liked it yeah yeah, yeah so what where do you want to start like uh well give me uh you got you got highlights lowlights what any songs stood out to you <laughs> oh goodness <laughs> They're all really good. That is the correct answer. <laughs> uh, I guess if I had to pick my my very favorite, it would probably be nothing better. Okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Why? Yeah, yeah, so so through a lot of the album is the main singer guy sort of you know, contemplating some sort of relationship that didn't go well or another. I'm I'm halfway convinced that they're all the same one, and he's just really heard about it. But 
And this is one where he's just sort of apparently deluded himself into thinking that, you know, we could actually get back together and be really in love and, you know, we can do all these things. And he seems like he's on the verge of tears the entire time. And it's got this just really nice beat. And then, like, but then for, like, the one song on the album, a woman shows up with this, like, romantic fanfare to say, actually, you're completely wrong and we were a terrible couple. Now leave me alone. And I just... I just find that contrast so hilarious, but also it gives a very, it does a very nice job of showing, hey, don't take this 100% as fact, you know, this is a mindset of a character, not just me thinking that I'm, you know, some sort of Romeo. Sure. I, I prepared a lecture or something is the one line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Have, no, that is funny. Yeah. You want to get you want to get into a weird gender thing? <laughs> have you as a I woman think... ever had oh sorry. No, go ahead. Have you as a woman ever had to <laughs> give this talk to someone? Because <laughs> I'm I'm figuring this mostly happens to women because weird nerdy guys, but <laughs> The, all the faults of the world on men here. But I mean, I, them, like, I feel like I'm sitting here and I'm like, do you, do you not see? Like, is this not obvious to you? Like, this is not it. <laughs> not it, bruh. Not it, bruh. I feel I must energize here. You're getting carried away. <laughs> I think there's something fun and like, uh, Clark Cable, or oh my gosh, Clark Gable is almost like the counterpoint to that, where he's like, he almost realized, like, oh, this doesn't really work, but I want to keep playing it through and kind of pretend. And there's that really clever kind of, it's almost um, like a very classical view of like drama and plays, and like, if we just try this on and kind of have this catharsis. We'll, we'll come to this moment where it is true and I'm believing that like there's truth and there's love if I just sort of pretend it for a while, you know? Yeah, that and one I guess she plays along. I don't know. We don't get the, like, <laughs> we, we don't get the other voice in that one, but. Yeah, that would be such a weird phone call. It's like, you know, 2 a.m. your <laughs> ex calls you and says like, hey, I want to make a movie with you and my best friend. And it's like, Excuse me. Read of that, like, I need you to pretend we're in love again, like, and you would just say yes. <laughs> yeah, it's it's sad. Like, I think this is the this is one of the parts where he is completely wrapped up in the big romantic thoughts. It's almost like, uh, you know, it reminds me a lot of that the movie Moulin Rouge, where you know it's all these big concerns of love, and you mm -hmm. know everyone's all dewy eyed. But also underneath it, there's a very stark realization of the ways that it's messed up. Yeah. This yeah. One, yeah. This one, they put together a really good beat that makes it sound, you know, all dreamy and romantic, like like a movie. And then, I do like yeah. how he like compare, compares himself to Clark Gable because, you know, comparing himself to a famous romantic actor, like not someone who actually had a famous romance, or at least I'm not sure I'm not up to my classic Hollywood drama, but... Like, you know, he's I not mean, famous. I mean, he kind of romanced everyone, so. Yeah, but like, he's saying, like, he made a kiss that, like, you know, is worthy of the movies, but it's like, 
but is it worthy of real life? Is it real? Right. Life? Yeah, yeah, which I think is kind of the point, right? Because it's like, it's almost more of a play than what's actually going on behind. Really? Yeah. Let's see what else. I will say, I, I, could, I could talk about like every track on this album, so I'll try not to do that. But Recycled Air is like such a good... I love plane rides. Obviously, going to college in a different state, I have spent a lot of time on planes. Um, and this kind of song about... It, it's very laid back, it's very reflective, and I love the lyric about watching patchwork arms fade into the ocean side or whatever. That's so beautiful. I'm like, oh, and they can't see you watching them. That is a very good point. They just, he just did a, such a great job of like, you know, describing this airplane ride and like, but in the most decontextualized, defamiliarized ways to this, you know, this strange, panicky adventure. And, you know, yeah. it's like pulling out all these little details that you wouldn't have noticed. It's, it's just a really good, well put together. I was, I was uh, fortunate. It's a good to, picture. Yeah. I was fortunate to be riding on an airplane when I heard it for the first time. I was like, hey, it me. Oh. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> yeah. One thing I will say, kind of overall, that I really appreciate about this album is it's very. <laughs> Like there's a lot of texture and it's kind of atmospheric. I, 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 you know, I like my indie kind of not super stripped down. You know, where there's like one or two lines, like the kind of garage pop stuff you get today. Yeah. Um, and so I like that it kind of has that like blurry, like late '90s, early '80s kind of super amped up stuff. But also the lyrics are really precise. Like it sounds a lot of the time almost like someone talking. Yeah. Um. Which I appreciate. It's like, don't mumble into my ear. Like, <laughs> give me your good, clever, witty lyrics, you know? <laughs> yeah, this is definitely an album that takes a lot more care with the things that it says than sometimes could be thought of when you compare it to a lot of the set of a contradiction type lyricism. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, the, the beats do definitely go a long way in helping that, you know, they're very... Like you said, very sort of cleanly produced, very nostalgic with lots of little beats and boops. Oh yeah, yeah. I and there's a lot of like syncopation. There's like that like bum 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 bum. Yeah, yeah. It was. This is going to. Yeah, it was sort of interesting. Like just compare. It sounds. It's a very of its time project. Like it sounds very early two thousands. You know, with the oh for sure. Years. And, like, it sounded an awful lot like Imogen Heap at times, or at least that general ballpark of, you know, okay. very produced and sort of whimsical things, but with, like, a very light, but with a weird edge. And I could see a lot of the influence on later and let's not as critically acclaimed acts like Owl City and the Chainsmokers when they, on the Memories Do Not Open, mm -hmm. and AJR and John Billion. Like, I could definitely see the influence that this had and how, like, what I want out of those albums, like like you said, a very much more thoughtful, profound type of lyrics that's a little bit more self-aware and has like a more mm -hmm. yeah a cool beat sound. Come on, yeah. AJR boys, yeah. 
Be cool. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what the one song everyone knows from AJR is. Uh, bang? Yeah. <laughs> bang, bang, bang. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. yeah, this is, but yeah, like the reason I bring them up is just, you know, that whole sense of nostalgia and longing and the sort of, mm-hmm. all, you know, the etherealness. That's what, this is what I think they're all going for. Yeah. As yeah. Well as specific ones. Another one I really liked was Sleeping In. Oh, just, I love that one. <laughs> yeah, it's just this sort of, you know, dreamy little song about, you know, no, just sort of. It's just such a cute melody, and it's all about you know just like ignoring all the world's problems. And I especially love that one, the really brutal second verse where he's like, "People fool the like you know global warming starts, and then people are like, we're being rewarded for being nice people, and now we get to swim in November. It's like, oh no. Yeah, this is, too, this is okay. So I, I'll ask, the second time I listened to this when I was prepping, I was kind of wondering about, like, because the first verse is like, oh, like, I'm just having this nice dream where we don't have to wonder who shot John F. Kennedy. Um, and then the second one is like, oh, like, maybe there's no, like, ultimate goodness and, like, you know, all of these, like, very kind of political problems that we're starting to come up in this time, right? But, like... Do you think he actually, like, thinks these things are settled? Or do you think it's, like, kind of a play where it's, like, double, doubling it like you're dreaming that these are certain because they actually are and you just haven't found them in the waking world yet? I, I don't know. I, I don't have a philosophy or a politics degree. You're going to have to go ask Maddie about this one. Uh, I, oh, um... don't put it all on me. <laughs> if, if you woke up, you're getting, what are you you're doing I'm redirecting. <laughs> so what I think is 9-11 is what we really need to talk about here. 9-11. 9-11. There. I have just won a presidential debate in 2004. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, don't wake me. Don't wake me. I'm just going to sleep then. <laughs> hey, let's see. Another one. Any other ones that make you go, whoa, I love that one. In a good way. In a, in a you have passions and they are valued. Wait. We probably hit most of my most of my top lines, yeah. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I guess the main other two I had were probably the "We Will Become Silhouettes" and "District Sleeps Alone." Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. We become silhouettes mainly because you know it's another one that's you know. You know, it's just like a nice little happy idiom song about holding up in your nuclear bump bunker and being disintegrated. <laughs> it's like, what's the fans run out? It's like, I'm not, I don't have too much to say about it. It's just like, that got really dark. <laughs> the, the district sleeps alone light. That, that combines like how with the uh, Recycled air, it's, you know, defamiliarized, but also all the not getting over next, and, like, it's just him sort of narrating, going to pick up some things from his ex's apartment, but it's, like, mm-hmm. it's such strange detail, and there's the, there's that big course about feeling out of context in the Scotty apartment complex, and finally 
realizing he was the one worth leaving it, it's like, oh, oh. Yeah. It, it kind of hits hard. Yeah. If I hadn't worked through I, more of my issues, that one would get yeah. me in a place. And it's in D.C. too. Like, but I feel like that's got to say something because that's such a such a weird place. Like, everything is ramped up in D.C., you know? Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of big personalities, kind of like these big mm. metaphors for how people view their life and their ambitions and stuff. Yeah. It's a, it's a high-tension, high-risk place. Yeah. Anything on the other ones you wanted to toss out? I'm good if you're good. Yeah, I think so. This was, yeah, just a really well-composed, well-written, nice little, nice album. It's one of the favorites that we've covered on here. Good pick. Sweet. Well, glad we could talk about it. Yeah. Thank you for coming aboard, Caroline. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thank you, old listener, for listening. The albums that we listened to were uh, Give Up by the Postal Service and Big Mama Thornton and the Muddy Water... I'm on Thornton with the Woody Waters fan two times. You get it at this point. I'm Caleb Clark. And I'm Caroline Walton. And thanks for tuning in.